Welcome to Bethesda Broadcast, the podcast of Bethesda Church in Huron, South Dakota. Today, we get to start a new series from Pastor Roy on spiritual gifts. This past Sunday, Pastor Roy started the series looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and the overview of what are spiritual gifts and how should we use them to glorify Christ. We encourage you to open up your Bibles and follow along. All right, so today we're talking about spiritual gifts, and I want to talk, uh, start off talking about um, their definition and purpose. Uh, we're going to be looking at a passage in 1 Corinthians 12, so if you want to turn there, uh, remember Corinth, uh, first century church, you didn't have a lot of people grounded in doctrine. They had a lot of questions, they had a lot of confusion. They were trying to figure out, how do we actually function as a church? How, do we, how is the church supposed to work? How are we supposed to operate? They were asking questions about, do we take our brother or sister to court uh, if we have a, a problem? Do we, do we uh, engage in a lawsuit? Um, do we eat meat sacrificed to idols? Uh, what do we do about uh, marriage? Uh, what if I get married and my wife is uh, not a, or I get saved and my wife is not saved and I'm a believer and she's not, should we get divorced? I mean, they were asking those kind of questions. Uh, in 1 Corinthians 12, they had questions about spiritual gifts. So they had a lot of questions and Paul is trying to teach them and ground them. They didn't have the New Testament to pull out and read like we do. So here they're trying to figure these things out. So Paul is writing to help them grow in their understanding of how a church body is to function. And he also tells them that the way the church functions is always in the context of love. Because he writes in 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter, and he's saying that all of this is to be done in a spirit of love. And even when we use our spiritual gift, it is to be done in a spirit of love. Paul begins 1 Corinthians 12 by saying now about spiritual gifts. So see, he's been writing about other things. Now he says now about spiritual gifts. Brothers, he's writing to the church. He's writing to believers. Brothers, I do not want you to be ignorant. He, in other words, he's saying I don't want you to be unaware. I don't want you to be uninformed. I want you to be educated, informed, and knowledgeable about gifts and how they operate in the church. And so that's why he writes this letter to them. He says, you know that when you were pagans, somehow or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I tell you that no one is speaking by the Spirit of God, says Jesus be cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but the same God works all of them in all men. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. And then he goes in and lists those, and we're not going to get into the specific ones today. Uh, we'll do that another time. But let's just start off with, first of all, a little bit about a definition. It really comes, spiritual gifts comes from two Greek words, and the reason I share these with you is so you help understand where this whole idea comes from. The first word is charismata, charismata, and there's uh, and the other word is pneumatica. So charismata, pneumatica, 
Now, notice this word here, charis, grace, comes from charismata, grace. Um, the next word, uh, charisma, you've heard of the word charisma, if somebody has charisma, it is actually an expression of grace. And that is what God extended to us in the person of Jesus Christ was an expression of His grace to us in the gift of salvation. And when we receive the gift of salvation... We receive spiritual gifts from the Lord to use uh, for His honor and glory. Some of those gifts can even come later, I believe, it's possible. But we have gifts when we receive the Holy Spirit. It's an expression of grace. The other word here, pneuma, which comes from pneumatica, means spirit. And pneumaticon, expression of spirit. So when we have these spiritual gifts, it's two things. It's an expression of grace, and it's an expression of the Spirit of God operating in our lives. So if we do not allow the Spirit of God to work in our lives and experience the grace of God, then we will not be able to use the gifts that He has given us in the way that He would like us to be able to use those gifts. Uh, let me go on here. Uh, here's a definition, and I, I really struggled because there's lots of definitions, and I don't want us to get hung up on just one definition, but I'm just giving you this definition here. A spiritual gift is any event, word, or action that embodies and expresses God's grace. Tyndale Bible Dictionary is where that comes from. And any event, word, or action that embodies and expresses God's grace. This means... He goes on to say that no one can hope to manifest such a gift except in conscious openness to and dependence upon God. We are conscious and openly dependent upon God to able to carry out that gift. By extension, Paul can speak of individuals having or possessing certain spiritual gifts. But listen to this. This is presumably shorthand for being so open to God's grace that, that grace regularly and constantly manifests itself through them in particular ways. The Spirit of God exercised uh, the expression of the Spirit when manna was rained down from heaven. Remember when the children of Israel were in uh, the wilderness and he, God rained down manna from heaven? That was an expression of the Spirit of God. And that expression of the Spirit of God was also manifested in the grace of giving manna. From heaven, or water from the rock, when water came out of the rock. So this expression of the Spirit can be seen in things or in people as well. All right, so what we want to do is, I want to talk about four Ds. The first one is distribution. Every believer has at least one spiritual gift. Look in verse 7, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. All right, so with that, um, I'm going to ask Daryl to come up here. <laughs> Didn't get a chance to ask him ahead of time, but I knew he'd be okay. <laughs> Daryl, this is a gift that I want to give you. You won't get to keep it, though. Oh. <laughs> God gives us gifts we get to keep. But anyhow, I give this to you. Now, Daryl represents one kind of person in the church. Now, unfortunately, Daryl represents the person who has accepted Christ as their Savior, 
and has received a spiritual gift to use, but there's one catch. Daryl doesn't even realize he has that gift. You have to pretend you don't even realize you have it. And so therefore, you don't even get to open it <laughs> because you don't know you have it. You see, what did Paul say? I want you to not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. The truth of the matter is some people accept Christ and they don't even know they have a spiritual gift. They're totally ignorant. They're walking around with it and they have it, but it's not been, ever been opened. It's not ever been used. It's been hidden. They just kind of keep it tucked away in their pocket and they never use it. And that's unfortunate because the Bible tells us that everybody has a spiritual gift to use in the body of Christ. And so the first thing is we understand that God has distributed gifts to the body of Christ. If you have accepted Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, you have a spiritual gift to use. So it's a matter of, at some point, you have to move to the next step of not just receiving that gift, but actually doing something with it. So thank you for representing a difficult segment of people. Um, I, I guess we'll just set it back up here since you're not going to use it. <laughs> thank you. You know, sometimes God probably could take away the gift if we're not going to use it. It's like, why, why have it, right? I mean, you, you've seen kids on Christmas morning, right? You buy this nice, expensive gift for them, and they open it up, and they play with the box, right? I mean, it's like, come on. Um, so that's the first type of person we want to look at. Notice our memory verse that's listed in the top of the bulletin on the worship order. First uh, Peter 4.10, each one should use whatever gift he has received. We have received a gift, but we need to use that gift that we have received. Those gifts are distributed by God's choosing. We don't get to pick the gift. God divinely picked the gift for us. We are only responsible to use that gift that he has given to us. And there's no gift exchanges. I can't exchange my gift to you, and you can't give one back to me, and that's not the way it works. We are responsible to use the gift that God has given us. But let me say this. While gifts are free to the recipient, we need to remember that they always cause, there's always a cost from the giver, right? If somebody gives you a gift, there's been a cost to them. And certainly God paid for all of our gifts in the person of Jesus Christ. So God has assigned tasks for us. We all have. And I'll say this too in the distribution of gifts. They are never designed just for individual use. They are always designed for corporate use in the body of Christ. They are never designed just for me to use. For myself. To build myself up. To you to build yourself up. They are to be used in a corporate sense to build the body of of Christ. All right. The second one here, um, well, I guess I'll have, um, I need to have somebody else come up. Jessica, maybe I'll have you come up. She represents another type of person. See, I, I picked a lady for pink. I know some of the guys were scared, right? He's going to call me up and give me the pink gift. All right, this is a gift that we give to you from God. It's a spiritual gift. The good news is you can set it down, and you can actually open this one up. 
All right? You get to open it up and actually pull it out and look at it. All right, now this is a Canon Rebel T3i. Tom's like, why didn't you call me up? Camera. <laughs> it's actually just the box. But anyhow, uh, pretend the camera's in there. Now, you have opened this, so what has she done? She has gone to the next step. Well, I don't know why both of them came up, but discovery, learn what your spiritual gift you've been given. You have opened it up. You've learned the gift you've been given. Is that something that could be used? Yeah. Um, but you're going to have to get it, you know, out of the, don't take it out, but you take it out of the box and actually use it. She has discovered the gift but she hasn't yet fully opened it. I mean, she, she knows what it is, and she knows how it could be used. But here's the thing. She's discovered it, but she hasn't put it into practice yet. Some people have discovered their spiritual gift, but they haven't put it into practice yet. Okay, you follow me? So this gift still does her no good. So here's what you're going to do. You're going to take that gift, and you're going to take it home, and you're going to put it on the shelf. You're not going to use it. You're going to admire it. You're going to look at it and enjoy it. But who's going to benefit from it? No one. Not even you. Because you have put it on the shelf and put it on display. And what good is that? You see what I'm saying? So we've got to move from receiving the gift, not even opening it, being ignorant that I even have one, to now the next step I move from ignorance to understanding I have one and I open it up and I see I have been given a gift from God. Okay, so that's the next step. Thank you very much. We're moving right along. All right, so that's the next step. The next one that came up there was development. Develop. We want to use the gift for God's glory. Don Hofer, I need Don Hofer to come up. He gets the blue bag. He gets to open this one up. I hope this is something you can use. You have to pull it out. It's not a snake. It won't bite. Ooh. <laughs> yes, and I think there's even some drill bits here, too. Now, we know that Don builds homes, so we know he can use a, a drill. Is that usable? Yes. You know how to use it? <laughs> yeah, I thought so. <laughs> All right. So... It'd be one thing, though, for him to pull that out and just discover it and never develop the gifting of his hands to use it, right? I mean, that in my hands would not do what it does in his hands. <laughs> you understand? I mean, if you're calling for a special building, a thing, remodeling or something at your home, don't call me. Call Donnie. Because <laughs> even if we had the same tools in the hands, it would be different, okay? Because he has a gifting that God has given him to be able to use that. So now he can do a lot of good with those tools by putting them to use. We have went from ignorance to discovery to now using and developing. How do we develop the gift? By using it. That's how we develop it. All right, thank you very much. You can set that down. All right, I have one additional gift here that I want to open up. Um, this was actually a gift that we got this Christmas uh, for our family. 
And we actually received it a couple days before Christmas. We wrapped it up, put it under the tree for the boys. And um, we were so excited when we got this. It is an electric ice cream maker. We've never had one before. I was so excited. My father-in-law has always made ice cream, okay, for Christmas. And I thought, you know what? We need to start that tradition. I like that idea. So we had it all wrapped up. The boys opened it up on Christmas morning. And they're going through the box. And they pull it out. And some of you have seen this. Here's the bucket. And they're pulling it all out. And here's the canister. And the dasher is down inside. And we pull it out. And we're like, wait a minute. Something's missing. What's missing? The motor. It's electric. I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. How in the world did they pack this and leave the motor out? Man, was I disappointed. No homemade ice cream for Christmas. That was sad. The good thing is my wife is really good with the computer. She got on the computer. She told them, hey, we didn't get the motor, and they shipped another one, and we had it for New Year's. <laughs> I was really concerned whether it would turn out, but it actually turned out pretty good. But here's the thing. The bucket here represents the body. My body. It's a body. Everything's here. What's missing is the motor. The motor is the heart. You see, there's a lot of people that have been given gifts. They have the body to put it into practice. But here's the problem. They have no heart to use it. You know, Donnie could build all kind of stuff with this, but if there is no passion and heart behind it, it's not going to get done. You have all the gifting and all the talent and all the ability in the world. And where does heart come from? Where do, how, do, how do we see heart? We see it from passion and commitment. That's where it comes from. You see, Paul had a, com a, a passion and a commitment to share the word of God with the Corinthians so they would not be ignorant about spiritual gifts. So they would use them. And here's why. We have four purposes for spiritual gifts. Four purposes, if it's going to advance for me. All right, we want to look at these because this is the important part of why God has given them to us in the first place. Number one, to edify the body of Christ. That's why we have been given a spiritual gift, to edify the body of Christ. Edification means to build a house. Now, it doesn't mean physically to build a house. He's saying to build a house, the spiritual house of God, the body of Christ. God has given us gifts to build the church, to make the church stronger than it was before, to move it from immaturity to maturity, that we grow from infancy spiritual infancy to spiritual adulthood, that we don't stay a baby Christian. And so here's what he says. In the Vines Expository Dictionary, it says the promotion of spiritual growth and development of character of believers for edification. 
Promotion of spiritual growth, development of character of believers by teaching or by example. Suggesting such spiritual progress as a result of patient labor. Here is the goal in spiritual gifts. To edify the body of Christ. Why? To strengthen the body of Christ so that we become more like Jesus. So we become more Christ-like. If I am not using my gift to help somebody become more Christ-like, I am not using my gift the way God wants me to use it. If I am only using it to promote myself and advance myself and advance my name and my title and my whatever, I am not using it. It is to be done in a corporate sense so that we grow. The reason I, I study and I pray and I study and I pray and I share is so that Bethesda Church will become spiritually mature which means I have to grow too. I can't stay the same. So we want to become more Christ-like. The maturity of believers is enhanced. Listen, the maturity of believers is enhanced when each member is exercising their gifts. In this church in Corinth, there were some very immature believers. They did not have a New Testament Bible to sit around and read to understand how the church was to function. So Paul writes this letter to them. So here's the question in regard to the edification of the body of Christ. Do I have an openness to learn? Do I have an eagerness to learn? Do I possess a teachable spirit? And here's how I know if I am. Am I making myself available to all the opportunities there are for me to learn? Sunday school, ABF, ambassadors for Christ Bible training, small group, prayer meeting, uh, what am I doing to edify the body of Christ, to grow the body of Christ? That's what we want to do. Encourage one another. The reason Paul traveled to these churches and wrote these letters was to edify the body of Christ, to grow it and strengthen it, and correct false teaching. He preached God's word to them. The second reason, the second purpose of spiritual gifts is to unify the body of Christ. See, because we can't do certain things alone. Paul didn't give one person all the gifts. He spread the gifts out. If we look down in verse um, 18 of 1 Corinthians 12, but in fact, God has arranged the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. He arranges them. Why? Because I don't have all the, and you don't have all the gifts, but all of us working together to edify the body of Christ, there's a unity because there's an interdependence. Not everybody has a gift of leadership. Not everybody has the gift of teaching. Not everybody has the gift of helps. Not everybody has the ability to work on computers. <laughs> or whatever the case might be. But some people are gifted to work with their hands and their mind with technical things. Praise God for that. And so we have that to unify. The unity of believers is strengthened when each member is serving in the body of Christ. Now here's what gets discouraging to the people that are serving is to look around and see people that aren't is to look around and see people who have a gift, but they're not, they don't have the passion and the commitment and the heart to use it because they don't want to give up something to use it. And yet God's going to hold them accountable for how they have used it. Spiritual gifts are the individual ticket 
for involvement. To, see, there's no B team in God's family. Do you know what I mean by that? Everybody's on the A team. Everybody's on the varsity. There's no bench warmers. Everybody gets to a participation certificate because we've been given a gift if we belong to the body of Christ. The question is, have you discovered your gift and are you developing the gift, using it for God's glory? Participation means we'll be involved, not just sitting around. And it's important to realize that unless each member is functioning, listen, unless each one of us are functioning by the power of the Spirit and the grace of God, we will not experience all that God has for us. If a member is not functioning in accordance with the Spirit of God, he is causing dysfunction in the body of Christ. Dysfunction. Every family has a level of dysfunction in it including my own. And every church has a level of dysfunction in it because you've got immature believers. And the goal is to become less dysfunctional and more functional by the Spirit of God, through the grace of God, using the gifts of God as we serve. The unity of the church will grow as we are surrendered to the Spirit of God and exercise those gifts by the expression of grace given by the Spirit of God. Paul said that he was given authority. If you just want to jot down 2 Corinthians 10.8, he was given authority for building up the Corinthians. He says that in 2 Corinthians 10.8. He also says that he had been speaking in Christ for building them up in 2 Corinthians 12.19. He says in 2 Corinthians 13.10 that the use of the authority that the Lord has given me for building up and for not tearing down. Don't tear down the immaturity. There should be some immaturity in the church. It means there's people coming to Christ, hopefully. So there should always be some immaturity. But we want to grow and we want to labor together to build up. Paul says in Ephesians 4.16, from the whole body joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped, when each part is working properly, it makes the body grow so that it builds itself up in love. You know, back in uh, the medieval architecture, they had a Gothic arch. And that Gothic arch was known for its strength and stability. And do you know why it was strong and why it was stable? The Gothic arch was strong and stable because each stone leaned on the other one. And because those stones leaned on one another, it was able to be more massive and bigger and more powerful because it depended upon the other stones. And so will be true in the body of Christ. What happens is this though people isolate themselves away from the body of Christ and they don't get involved in the body of Christ listen to the words of professor Philip Zimbardo a respected authority on psychology from Stanford University he said I know of no more potent killer than isolation there is no more destructive influence on physical and mental health 
than the isolation of you from me and us from them. It has been shown to be a central agent in the etiology of depression, paranoia, schizophrenia, rape, suicide, mass murder, and a wide variety of disease states when we're not unified in the body of Christ. Well, let me move on. Number three, a third purpose of spiritual gifts is to magnify the cross of Christ. To magnify the cross of Christ. It is used to edify the body of Christ. It is used to unify the body of Christ, and it is used to magnify the cross of Christ. The clarity of the cross is brought into greater focus when we use our spiritual gifts together. The exercise of spiritual gifts is to be done in light of the Great Commission. If we are all using our gifts and we are not magnifying the cross, we might as well stop using them. Absolutely. What did Paul say in 1 Corinthians chapter 2? For I determined to know nothing among you while I was with you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The cross of Christ needs to be magnified through our gifts. It absolutely does. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 15 verses 1 and 2. If you flip over there. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. What was the word Paul preached to them? You would say it was the gospel, and I would say you're absolutely right. But I want to say there was one word in the gospel that Paul preached, and that was the cross. And if we were to go back to 1 Corinthians, the very first chapter, in the 18th verse, here's what it says. For the word of the cross. Notice he said in 1 Corinthians 15, if you hold fast to the word I preach to you, and then he says in 1 Corinthians 1, 18, for the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. So here's what you have. You have bookends. You have in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, Paul talking about the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. And in 1 Corinthians 15, he's talking about the resurrection. Without a crucifixion, there can be no resurrection. Without a resurrection, there is no hope of eternal life. Without hope of eternal life, there's no motivation for using our spiritual gifts and, and magnifying the cross of Christ. That's why I want to do it. I want other people to be saved, to know Jesus Christ. So if I'm only using my gift to just blow hot air, I have to have a passion and a heart to magnify the cross of Christ with my gift. My gift should be pointing people to Jesus, no matter what it is. If I'm working on a house, if I'm singing in a song on the praise team, if I'm doing landscaping in the churchyard, whatever the case might be, I should be magnifying the cross of Christ in everything I do. My labor is in vain if I am not using my gift to magnify a crucified and resurrected Savior. Humanitarian aid is wonderful 
Acts of social justice are wonderful, but if they are performed apart from the cross of Christ, it's in vain. It has to take us to the cross of Christ. We can even worship in a nicely decorated church that's surrounded beautifully by a landscaped lawn, eye-catching begonias in bloom, whatever they are. We can have skilled singers on the praise team, magnificent musicians, trained teachers, but if we are not promoting a crucified and resurrected Christ, it's all for naught. So that's the purpose of our gifts. Let me give you one more. I'll wrap it up. To glorify the Father of Christ. That's why I use my gift, to glorify the Father of Christ. He says in John 15, 5, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. John 15, 8, by this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. And I have to tell you, There is a ripple effect when we use our gifts for the Lord. Let me explain just for a moment. Some of you may know the name Ed Dobson. He just went home to be with Jesus in the last couple of weeks. Ed Dobson faithfully taught Bible to students at Liberty University. I took classes through the mail. The first class I had on New Testament was taught by Ed Dobson. Ed Dobson is in heaven today. He'll never teach again. He died, how old was he? 65. I think he was around 65 years of age. At the age of 50, he developed Lou Gehrig's disease. He was pastoring a mega church. He had left Liberty, and he had been pastoring a mega church for years up in Michigan. And at the age of 50... His body was diseased with Lou Gehrig's disease. Most people don't last more than three years with Lou Gehrig's disease. He lasted 15. But here's the thing. He had to step out of ministry. He couldn't even dress himself. His wife had to do all that. And I look at that and I see what a gifted man of God he was. But you know what he did? He was glorifying the Father with his gift. And for whatever reason... God took it back. I don't understand that. I do not understand that. But I do know that he glorified Christ even in his illness. He wanted to be more like Jesus. Now, he taught me. I'm teaching you. Part of his teaching is in me, and it's coming out to you. There's a ripple effect. Dr. Fink, I know that's a strange name, Dr. Fink, But he was actually my homiletics professor. He is also in heaven today. But the ripple effect is this. He taught us how to preach. And boy, I'm sure he heard some sorry sermons. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But he taught us how to preach and how to communicate God's word. In fact, I remember one of the things he told me. He said, Roy, when you preach about sin, don't smile so much. (laughs) You're smiling when you talk about sin, you know. And, and he had to help me with that. Uh, so, but again, the ripple effect of him investing in my life. So here's the thing. We, we work in interdependence. 
people who have invested because of their spiritual gifts in me, now I'm investing in others, and you are investing in others too when you serve in the body of Christ. It is in a corporate sense. So to edify the body of Christ, to unify the body of Christ, to magnify the cross of Christ, and to glorify the Father of Christ. That's what he's given us these gifts for. Let's stand for a word of prayer. With your heads bowed and your eyes closed, let me just ask you, as I call different people to the platform today, where are you in relationship to spiritual gifts? Maybe you're in a position of ignorance and you're like, you know, I had no idea. I, I gave my life to Christ maybe a number of years ago, maybe recently. If you don't know Christ, you don't have the spiritual gift because you have to have, it's an expression of the Spirit and it's an expression of grace. And so therefore, maybe you can, that doesn't mean you can't do anything. You can, you can do all kinds of things, but you're not empowered by the Spirit of God. Spiritual gifts, we are enabled by the Spirit of God to do these things. We can't do them in our own strength or our own power. So maybe you are here this morning and, and you're just like in total ignorance and, and you've been given a gift and maybe don't even know it. Or maybe you have been given a gift and you know it and, and you've opened it, but you haven't really used it yet. You're like, you know, I, I just, and maybe for whatever reason, you haven't used it. And now it's time to move to the development of it and where you actually open it up and you take it off the shelf and you begin to use it in the body of Christ. And you want to do it to magnify the cross of Christ. You want to do it to edify the church. You want to do it to unify the church. You want to do it to glorify the Father of Christ. And I just want to encourage you. And as we go along, I do, we do have some spiritual gifts uh, inventories uh, that you can fill out. It's a series of questions that you can answer. It's not foolproof, but it can help you understand and develop what your gifts are. So you can learn what they are. And don't feel bad if you don't know what your gift is. There are some people who have been in church for years that had no idea they had a spiritual gift. But that's why God has given us his word so we can open it up and share it and grow the body of Christ. And you can only imagine how the body of Christ will grow if you have 200 people serving or 300 people serving versus 50. The load gets really heavy. The burden gets really heavy if you only have a few hands in the pot, in the game. And so maybe it's time for you to put some skin in the game, as it were, and get involved. And if you're not sure where to get involved, then you can sit down with myself, and we can help you find a place. We can find out what your gifting is, what your ability is. But I can tell you this, it'll be tied in with your passion. It'll be something you will enjoy. And you will find great joy in doing it, and you will bring joy to others in the process. So I trust God will use that in your life. If you don't know Jesus as your personal Savior, that's where the beginning of the journey begins. Jesus Christ died on the cross for sin. We are not saved through baptism. We are not saved through church attendance. We are not saved through doing good works. We are saved because Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood for my sin and your sin. 
And the only way we can be reconciled to this holy God is to embrace the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross through faith. Yes, I believe Jesus died for me. Yes, I'm a sinner. God, I confess my sin to you. And God gives me his Holy Spirit. Comes in and I'm a new person. So if you haven't made that decision, I would encourage you to give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ. If you have, then would you begin to discover and develop the gifts that God has given you? Let's pray. We hope you've enjoyed today's message. If you would like to know more about Bethesda Church, you can check us out on the web by going to our website, which is BethesdaMB.org. That's Bethesda, M as in Mary, B as in boy, dot org. Or check us out on Facebook by searching for Bethesda Church of Huron. Have a blessed day.